I'm so excited that I get to be here. It's one of the, the great times about um, the season that we're getting into that we get to spend time with family and friends. Um, a couple of additional announcements. The, the college group, The Well, is um, having a bonfire tonight at 5.30 here at the church. So if, you're, if you want to come to that, please come out and uh, eat all of our s'mores. And also, it's the one-hour martinizing on Walnut, not whatever road that I said. Um, so come out there. Um, just, just keep on driving around. Check the one-hour martinizings until you find somebody. Um, all righty. Um, today, I just kind of want to touch base. I don't necessarily want to get real in-depth on anything. Um, I just want to talk about how the Lord uses, uses you to impact my life and uses me to impact your life and uses the person next to you to impact your life, um, regardless of if the person sitting next to you is very annoying which not, not here, you know, we don't have any annoying people here. Those are, those are other places. Um, but it's interesting that when God gets involved in, uh, in what we have going on, um, one of the interesting ways that he answers prayer is say, God, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with all this. I'm frustrated with all this stuff. Um, I need you to come through. I need you to break through. I need you to give me an answer. All right, Lord, answer me. And, you know, we have promise in the word that if we pray, he hears and if he hears, he responds and he answers. And if we need a prayer answered, he answers us. However, a lot of the times he will hide the answer to our prayers in the person sitting next to you, which is incredibly frustrating sometimes. Um, because we are connected as a body. Um, none of us get to operate the Christian life by ourselves. No one gets to, to go through Christianity. No one gets to go through the kingdom um, just being this autonomous, you know, let, let me do things the way that I want to do them. You can do the things that you want to do them over there. And as long as we keep up our fences and as long as we keep up our borders, everything will be fine. Um, I think one of the words that the, that the Lord gave me for today is that we all make it or none of us make it. We all make it together or we don't make it. Um, we can't have revival just in my heart. It takes all of us. Um, you know, the Spirit of the Lord doesn't fall on an empty room. You know, I've, I've heard people pray that a lot. You know, God, just even, even though there's no one in the room, just fall in the room. No, you are the carriers of the glory of the Lord. And he's not going to do something unless he, he does it through you or does it through uh, someone sitting next to you. So how do we, how do we go about that? Like how, if, if God is answering my prayer by putting the answer in someone's life, how do I go about getting that, that answer in my life? You know, um, and I just want to kind of touch base. This is not exhaustive. We're not getting into Greek. We're not going <laughs> through this whole thing. I just want to talk about three different ways that I've noticed God doing that, you know, making that kingdom transfer from one person's life into another person's life. Um, and the first thing is, um, is physical touch. Um, for whatever reason, you know, if, if we could figure out why God does the things that he does and the way that he does them, you know, we could write a book and make a whole lot of money. Um, and at the end of the day, God does things that are just strange sometimes. So why does he say, you know, um, that the kingdom is transferred or that blessings are transferred through physical touch? I have no idea. Um, it's something that we'll have to take up with him when we get up there. But um, in Mark 5, um, starting in verse 28, somewhere, um, I'm going to back up to, I'm, as a sound guy, I hate it when people do this. I'm going to back up to 
verse 24, so I apologize in advance. Um, Jesus went with them, and all the people um, followed, crowded around him. The woman in the crowd that had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, she had suffered a great deal from many doctors. Over the years, she had spent everything that she had to pay for them, but she had even gotten, uh, but she hadn't gotten any better. In fact, she had gotten worse. And then she heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him uh, through the crowd and touched his robe. Because she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be healed. And immediately the bleeding stopped. Um, and she felt, uh, she could feel in her body that she had been healed of this terrible condition. In verse 30, and Jesus realized that once healing power had gone out of him, he turned around and said, you know, who touched my robe? And then we launch into um, Peter being Peter again. I'm um, saying, yeah, well, everybody's touching you. But she just touched his robe. And healing power came out of Jesus into her. Did Jesus know about it? I mean, we don't really see that he knew about it. Unintentional blessing just by, just by physical touch. Um, and in Mark 6, it's just one chapter over in verse 5. I'm going to start in verse 4, I'm sorry. Um, Jesus told them uh, a prophet was as honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. Because of their unbelief, he could do no mighty miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. In an environment of complete unbelief, Jesus was talking to the city and said, I can't do anything among you. Jesus, God in the flesh, said, I can't do anything among you because of the overwhelming uh, uh, cloud of your unbelief, except that he lay his hands on a few people um, and God healed them. Um, And it's it's a testament to the fact that um, you know, sometimes you can walk into a, an environment and a situation and just kind of, well, it feels weird. Um, I'm sure no one had this happen uh, this weekend, you know, when you walk into a, a family situation and there was just a fight and you walk into a room right after and it's like, well, this is awkward. I don't really know what's going on, but it feels really weird. You know, we can sense, you know, environments and atmospheres around us. Um, and a lot of people will say, well, you know, I can't do anything. There's there's no belief here. There's no faith. Well, Jesus is, uh, you know, letting us know that regardless of what the atmosphere is around us, it doesn't have to affect what I control personally. My own personal open heaven um, isn't hindered by somebody else's unbelief. Um, and for some reason, uh, touch has a lot to do with that. Um, like a, a personal story, you know, and everything that we have uh, going in Scripture has to be grounded in the Word. If you have a word from the Lord that is not grounded in the Word, um, you have reason to suspect it. It has to has to be at least be confirmed or have a foundation in the Word. Um, so I'm going to be sharing some personal stories along with Scripture. Um, when I was in high school, we went to a mission trip in Louisiana, and uh, it was like an evangelical um, conference that we were helping out there, and we got the opportunity, the youth that went got the opportunity to get prayed for by the guy that was leading the, the meetings. And, like, if I could re, um, uh, or retell the story completely, it's, a, it's actually a really funny story. But um, I'll say that it was just probably the least spiritual environment that I'd been in. Like, we were standing in the hall of, uh, of a conference center. Um, like, there were people running around, bustling. There was no one playing music. There was no candles burning. You know, like it wasn't a, an overtly spiritual um, encounter. And so we're all standing there, you know, the youth were. And uh, the guy that was leading the meetings came out. Um, he's kind of a bigger guy. 
and then just walked. I'm sure he was busy, but he almost looked like he didn't even notice us. So he just walked down the line because the ushers had put us all into lines. And he just put his hand on my chest and went, went down the line. And I, like, I can't explain to you what all happened, but it felt like I stuck my hands in hot honey. And I just started going down for some weird reason. Um, and I don't like falling out because it embarrasses me. And I don't, also don't like crying in front of people because it embarrasses me. Well, God's funny like that um, because I do cry in front of people a lot. And, and so I started going down. And so I grabbed the, the lady that was standing beside me, and I, I drug her down with me. <laughs> and uh, I kind of came to a, a few minutes later, and all of the youth were, you know, laid out, out, gone. Um, we had to carry a lot of them out, out to the car, and I will promise you, watching a, a group of people try to fit kids into a van that are just, you know, limp fish, it's like, you know, because you, you can't sit them up because they'll go over. Um, and to this day, I can't tell you what happened, but I got down on the ground after he touched me in the chest, and I got up a different person. Um, and it, it, was, it was strange because when we, when we finally got all the, the kids in, into the hotel rooms and tried to force feed them pizza, um, like, I'm serious, it was hours before we could get some of the kids to, to focus again. Um, you know, it's like, well, what, did, what do you think the Lord did in you? I don't know. I just feel different. I feel like I'm different. Um, and it, it's a, an example of just through physical touch, God communicated or transferred some aspect of the kingdom from one person to another person, and it changed my life. Um, and there it goes. Um, and there was some some of you sitting in the pews that you know when we have altar calls and have people come down here and uh, praying, it's not just for show. It's not just so that we can um, make you kind of get the warm fuzzies. There is there is biblical evidence and there's precedence in the Bible of when you come forward for prayer and people put their hands on you spiritual breakthrough takes place. Um, and I think a lot, of, a lot of us need to jump over pride like a runner does a hurdle and just get down and have someone pray for you. Um, and it, practically, you know, it doesn't have to happen in a service. You know, we were standing in a, in a pretty nasty hallway. I'm sure there was black mold on the walls. Um, it was not a very spiritual place. It was an, it was an actual real-world example. So when you're sitting at work or uh, when you're hanging out with your friends and someone is complaining I'm sure no one ever complains to you guys. Um, someone's complaining about having a hard time in life. Say, hey, you mind if I just put my hand on your shoulder and pray for you real quick? You know, you don't have to, in the name of Jesus, you know, and punch them in the stomach to get them to go out. You know, just say, hey, you know, kind of just put my hand on your shoulder real quick. Um, it's, uh, it's just, it's something that we do. Um, I have no idea why we do it, but it's something that we do, and there's uh, uh, precedence in Scripture. Um, I want to go back over into Mark 9. I promise we won't completely study Mark today. Not that, that anything would be wrong with that. Mark 9, verse 38. Um, John said to Jesus, Teacher, I love this. John, for the first time, usually it's Peter that's tattletelling on everybody. But John turns around and says, uh, John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told him to stop because he wasn't in our group. So if you ever get frustrated about churches, you know, like, well, we just need to be like the, the early church. You know, we've been dividing from the very beginning. Before the very beginning, we've been dividing. So 
Uh, you can cut us some, some slack. Jesus said, don't stop him. No one who performs a miracle in my name will, be, uh, will soon be able to speak evil of me. Uh, everyone who's not against us is for us. Those that don't scatter, gather. Or those that gather, don't scatter. Um, what happened with this guy, this nameless um, disciple, um, sat under Jesus' teaching, heard what was going on. Something changed in him, and then he went to go start casting demons out of people. Um, and the disciples were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not doing it the way that we do it. You know, you're not saying the right words. We say the right words, even though that, you know, sometimes when demons came up to the disciples, they didn't have a clue what they were doing. They were more than willing to tell this other person that he didn't know what he was doing either. Um, this person sat under the teaching of Jesus. We don't see any direct interaction, um, didn't spend a lot of time with Jesus, heard what Jesus was teaching, and went out and did it. Um, in Acts 2.47... We were singing in Hebrew, and now we're reading out of Acts 2. Definition of a charismatic church. Acts 2.47. I'll just paraphrase this. Um, Acts 2, the, the Spirit fell on Pentecost. Everyone started speaking in tongues, and uh, there was a bit of a commotion going on in Jerusalem. All these people showed up, and P Peter preached a message. Um, you know, it was kind of one of the first times it was like, hey, way to go, Peter. You actually knocked it out of the park. Um, and and all of these people uh, flooded into the kingdom. Um, it said 3,000 of them were, were added to the church and baptized. Um, and verse 37 said, while all men were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, and uh, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Peter preached a message, and 3,000 people got it and responded to, to the gospel. Um, it also says earlier that they were pricked in their hearts. Uh, so, you know, I, I, has that ever happened to you guys? You know, you hear a message, it's like, I wish you hadn't said that. Like, oh, now, now I have to go apologize for this. You know, or something happens in your heart that you can't get over. It's like, oh, something's going on. Um, another way, you know, God uses physical touch to, to bring about the kingdom. And another way that God brings about the kingdom is just through the spoken word. Because there is something about uh, the spoken word. Um, Jesus said in John um, 6, 63, that the words that I speak are both spirit and their life. So the word of the Lord is not just information, you know. It's not like reading Wikipedia. You know, you can get information, you know, you can pass a, a history exam by reading Wikipedia. Well, the words of Jesus and the word of the Lord does something different. Their spirit and their life. So they don't just affect the brain. They just don't affect, you know, what we've got going up here. It reaches down and changes something about our hearts. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we have such frustration when we, um, when we deal with people because we say, you know, well, you need to clean up your room. Why are you not cleaning up your room? You need to clean up your room. You need to pay attention. Why are you not paying attention? Why are you doing so poorly in school? You need to pay attention in school. And, you know, kids just, well, I'm trying. I'm trying. Well, you need to try harder. Has anyone ever said that? You get frustrated. Well, you need to try harder. Well, the problem is that there's something wrong with who they are on the inside. Not wrong. There's something immature about who they are on the inside. And until that heart changes, who cares what they think? They can know right and wrong, but they're not going to do it. And the same thing is true with, with our lives. We can know what's right and we can know what's wrong. But, you know, uh, Paul says in uh, Romans 7, 
you know, I know what's right and I know what's wrong. I find myself doing all the stuff that's wrong, and I can't ever seem to get a hold of uh, doing all the things that are right. Um, so we need we need something to come in and change our hearts. Um, one of the frustrating things about, uh, not frustrating, that's over the top. Uh, one of the interesting things about um, uh, charismatic circles is that, you know, people will rush forward um, for altar call. You know, I just, I need your hand on my head. If I get you to lay hands on me and pray for me, then everything's going to be fine in my life. When sometimes God wants you to just sit under the word. Um, we went to a, a conference, uh, me and Ben Crace, in, uh, in Baltimore one time. And at, we were kind of late. We missed worship, and we walked in, and uh, a guy named Bill Johnson was preaching about honor and how to honor uh, the people sitting next to you. Um, and after the first two or three sentences, I'm telling you, there was a shift in my heart, and it changed the way I viewed people. Just a few sentences, being under that atmosphere, being under that spoken word, changed something in my heart. And it instantly became part of my worldview. It wasn't something that I had to try harder to honor people. It just, for some weird reason, it became a part of who I am as a person. Um, and so when we come to service, when we come to church, this is not ticking things off of your religious to-do list. When you sit under the, the atmosphere that, that comes when uh, the presence of the Lord comes in praise and worship, and when you sit under the spoken word of the Lord, it has the opportunity and it has the possibility to literally change something about who you are as a person, not giving you instruction for you to then go home and try harder. The ability to change is actually hidden in the spoken word sometimes, the same way it's hidden in, uh, in physical touch. Um, in Matthew 7, 22. It would be easier for me to just read off the screen too. But. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, um, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed miracles in your name, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. At the end of everything, at the uh, you know during Judgment Day, um, there will be people that come up to Jesus and say, "Jesus, we perform miracles. We had the ability to cast out demons." And it's like, I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. And so that's a testament to the fact that we can create around ourselves a spiritual momentum in the atmosphere that people can get swept up into and do the things that that we're doing. Because they're, they're drafting. Has anyone ever done that with a tractor-trailer truck? You know, get right behind and just draft. Um, there are people that coast through Christianity following the draft of uh, spiritual fathers. And they don't actually make the, the decision themselves to, to get right with the Lord. They're just kind of going through the motions. Um, and I would venture to guess that, you know, there's a handful in the room that are just drafting behind someone that's, you know, a spiritual giant in your eyes. Um, and just because you can go through the motions and just because you can see success in the things that you're doing doesn't necessarily mean um, that, that there's genuine power. It just is a testament to the fact that when you get in an atmosphere like this, things break loose and you have the ability to operate in things that you wouldn't uh, normally do. Um, and I think the most important way that God transfers his kingdom is through relationship and through fellowship. Um, I genuinely think that it, it might be the most important way. So we have touch. You know, sometimes, you know, when you need breakthrough in your life, you need someone to just come lay hands on you, get that junk off of you. And sometimes when you need breakthrough, you need to sit under the word and allow the word of the Lord to change who 
who you are as a person. Well, uh, one of the interesting things about the kingdom of God and the principles contained in Scripture that I might know every word in this book, but until I see it lived out in someone's life, it does me absolutely no good. Um, you know, so, you know, I talk about um, being generous a lot when I come up for the offering. Um, I could, I can understand generosity, you know, just as a concept. Again, you know, I could read a Wikipedia article about generosity. But until I'm around a giver, you know, when I get around that giver, it's, oh, that's what's going on. And it's not that I learned something from them. There is a spiritual breakthrough that happens when I fellowship, when I get in relationship with the believers around me. You can read about prophecy in the New Testament, but until you're around a prophetic person, sometimes it's hard to, to break through into that. But when you get around prophetic people, it's like, oh, I can do that. And it's not because you learn a secret. It's something unlocks inside of you. Um, in John 15, 15, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he says, I'm not going to call you guys uh, slaves or servants anymore. I'm going to call you friends because friends know what the master is doing. Jesus turns to towards his disciples and says, you are not servants. You are not slaves. You are friends. I desire to have a friendship with you, a, a communion, a dialogue. Um, and just about one of my favorite stories in the, in the New Testament, I'm an encourager. One of my top spiritual gifting is encourager. Um, and so I relate to Barnabas in, uh, in the book of Acts, and he's called the son of encouragement. That's um, what Barnabas means. Well, when Saul has his Damascus Road encounter with Jesus, um, no one wants to associate with him. No one wants to talk to him because he's been murdering the church. So when he shows up to church Sunday morning, everyone's like, I'm not talking to you. And so they shunned him. And so through the first part of the book of Acts, it's Saul. You know, even though that God changed his name, they still call him Saul because he's still the, the weirdo murderer. Well, a guy named Barnabas breaks off from the, the main body of the church, goes and grabs Paul and loves him into the kingdom. You know, just spends time with him, encourages the murderer, mass murderer, encourages him, loves on him. Eventually, um, Barnabas and Paul start going on mission trips. You know, and you can track their, their progress. They'll go to this city, to this city, to this city. Well, at, at a certain city, it flips. Instead of it being Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Saul, Barnabas and Paul, um, it then becomes Paul and Barnabas. And Barnabas starts taking the second chair, and Paul starts leading, starts getting um, accepted into the, the, the body of believers at large. And you get this momentum that we get most of the New Testament from. And then Barnabas just kind of steps back into the shadows, which is great. And as an encourager, I can promise you, I love being that second place. Um, I don't like leading. I like encouraging those that lead. I like being in that second place. So I can, I can relate to that. Well, this guy named John Mark uh, shows up on one of Paul's uh, mission trips. Um, and they're about to get arrested. They're about to get beat, possibly killed. And John Mark just goes, I'll see you. I'm going to go play video games or something like that. John Mark abandons Paul um, instead of being tortured. Well, Paul's this, you know, very forceful personality. And so he writes to everybody else, and they have this huge knockdown drag out. John Mark's worthless in the ministry. Don't ever take him with you. He'll leave you in your moment of need. You know, it's like, great, Paul. Um, well, when, uh, when they get together, Barnabas comes back to Paul and says, hey, you know, this next missionary trip that we're about to take, let's take John Mark. 
And the book of Acts says that Paul and Barnabas have a sharp disagreement that divides their ministry because Paul wouldn't want to have anything to do with John Mark. And Barnabas goes, well, the same time that I was pouring into you when no one wanted to hang out with you, I'm going to go and I'm going to pour into John Mark. And he pours into John Mark and pours back into John Mark. And eventually, you know, when Paul's in Rome uh, in chains, he says, send me John Mark because he's useful for me now. You know, and he wouldn't be useful for the ministry had it not been for Barnabas. There would be no Paul if there wasn't a Barnabas because no, everyone would have shunned him. No one would have accepted Paul into the ranks of Christianity without Barnabas pouring into him. And I think sometimes, um, at least with, uh, with a pastor or something like that, we desire a word. We desire an easy fix. We desire breakthrough. Um, and just in my own personal life, I've had friends that, you know, send me a text, hey, do you have a word for me? No, but, you know, let's go grab coffee. Well, I don't really have time for coffee. I just wanted a word. It's like, oh, buddy, I really wish you hadn't have done that. That hurts my feelings. Um, and we miss out a lot of the answered prayers because we refuse to have relationship with the people that are next to us. You have to spend time with each other. The person that's sitting to your left or right, even though they might be the most annoying person in your life, what happens if the key to the rest of your life is hidden in the relationship with that person? You know, are you going to set aside your pride enough to go, I need to hang out with you. We need to go grab lunch. We need to go grab coffee. Won't you come over to the house? Won't you bring your screaming kids to come hang out with us? Because I desire to have a relationship with you. Um, and since I am a, a people person, I can also really relate to, to this aspect of it. Um, and just in talking with Rex, you know, Rex Allchurch has become a really good friend of mine. Um, and so we'll go grab, you know, coffee or, or ice cream or something like that. And he doesn't ever feel like he has to, like, I'm not sitting in, in the wings going, okay, go be prophetic. You know, tell me something cool. You're on. The spotlight's on you now. Perform. You know, he doesn't ever feel like that. And I'm telling you, I get a tremendous reward out of being friends with people that I'm not actively trying to get something out of them. Um, you know, if, um, say, some celebrity that wouldn't get me in trouble. Um, say Justin Bieber came over to the house and I was great friends with Justin Bieber and every time that he came over to the house I updated my Facebook and Twitter Justin Bieber is here right now you know and I gained clout I'm Justin Bieber's friends you know you know and I gained you know this uh, popularity by being his friend you know I promise you that that friendship wouldn't last forever because I'm using him in order to fulfill something in my life. And the same thing's true with our relationship with each other and our relationship with God. Um, we don't have a relationship, even though that breakthrough happens in a relationship, we don't have relationship to get breakthrough. We have relationship because we love. We love God and we love other people, and that's why we do the things that we do, because we love. I want to have a relationship with someone that's sitting next to me because I genuinely want to have a relationship with someone sitting next to me. And I'm telling you, in doing that, it unlocks a world of spiritual breakthrough in our own lives. Does that make sense? I also want to 
put a tagline on the bottom of, of all of that stuff, just the same way that uh, people will walk around at the you know, end of days and say, Jesus, we prophesied in your name. And he said, you know, you, but you didn't get it. We never use these tactics or these models in order to manipulate a relationship out of someone. Um, we don't want to speak to someone. We don't want to give a word of the Lord in order to gain a friend because that happens sometimes. Um, and we don't, we don't see a, a pretty girl in Starbucks and say, hey, do you mind if I pray for you? You know, we don't, we don't do these things in order to get dates. Um, we don't do them to manipulate um, because, you know, I've, I've, seen that, I've seen that happen. You know, some prophets will go into churches and say, you know, well, if you'll give me $1,000, I'll rattle off prophecies for you. We don't manipulate the kingdom. We do it, we do it for real, and we do it legitimately. Um, and so that's kind of all I wanted to, to go into. Um, if the altar team can come forward, and you guys can go ahead and stand up. I'm going to give you an opportunity to, um, to really grab a hold of God and, and uh, touch base with him on this. Um, Tammy, if you could go ahead and come up. Um, if you're sitting, or I guess you're not sitting now because I told you to stand. You're standing <laughs> in the pews, and something's, something's touched you. Um, you know, you say, you know, I'm, I keep on hitting my head against the brick wall. I keep on trying to get free from this. I can't ever get free from this because um, I'm, I'm trying really hard. I just want to let you know that you don't have to try harder. The secret is not trying harder. The secret is getting breakthrough. It's not the sweat of your brow. It's the grace of the Lord. It's not the sweat of your brow. It's the grace of the Lord. Uh, so when it, we want to give you an opportunity this morning. If you need breakthrough for something, come forward. Have uh, you know one of our, our prayer uh, workers lay hands on you. Break that junk off of you. Speak a word into your heart to change who you are as a person. Um, and also, um, I think the Lord is really tugging at, at heartstrings on that relationship. If you've been keeping people at arm's length, stop it. Stop. Just let go. Let go. The person sitting next to you might hurt your feelings. You know, and, you know it's just like pastor has been preaching lately. If you open up your heart to that person, there is a potential for them to hurt you again. There's a potential for them to let you down. It's worth it. I promise you it's worth it. So if you're needing breakthrough, come forward. Uh, let us pray for you. Um, but also, if you're needing to turn around to the person next to you and establish a relationship, invite someone out to coffee, invite someone out to lunch. It's amazing the spiritual breakthrough that comes through eating. I know. It's Baptist roots, but I'm telling you, it happens. When you commune with someone sitting next to you, breakthrough happens. Father, we, we bring all of, uh, all of the weights and all of the concerns to you this morning, knowing that, uh, that we've tried really hard to, to act right. We've tried really hard to, to do better. And at the end of the day, we realize that it, we just can't do it, God. It's not, it's not in us to just be better people. So, God, we come to you simple and humble and kind of broken, Lord. And we say, we need you to come and fix the, the issues in our lives. Jesus, we need you to come and fix um, the circumstances and the situations, Lord. God, we need you to come and remove the insecurities in our life, Lord. Teach us what it means to have breakthrough. 
teach us what it means to, to have real relationship, God. That we're not trying to manipulate something out of somebody or get something, God. That we genuinely love on others the way that we're supposed to, God. And I know for a fact that I don't have that in myself. That Justin Grant doesn't bring anything to the table when it comes to love. But Jesus, you bring a ton to the table when it comes to love. And Holy Spirit, you promise that you take of what is Jesus's and you make it revealed and manifested to us. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would take the love of Jesus and that you would reveal it in our own lives. In Jesus' name, go ahead and come on forward if, uh, if you're needing prayer for anything as we spend some time in prayer.